Listen, I look back and I'm so grateful for my adversities because I had the support that I needed to get through it. It really brought me to who I am today. And I wouldn't be this person who I am today. Forgiving, understanding, a little bit more soft, less judgmental. I had to go through this process in order to soften up. Welcome to Hope to Recharge podcast. Thank you for joining me here again today. Every week we meet here to break the stigma around mental health and to bring you insight and inspiration and lots of practical tips from personal stories or professionals around the world that share how they turn their journey of mental health into healing or to thriving. Together we will break the stigma one story at a time. In mental health together is always better. Thank you for joining me here today. I'm your host, Matana. Let's get started. Thank you for choosing Hope to Recharge podcast to spend another 45 minutes with us. Hope you listened to last week's episode with Alana Schlagbaum, where she shares her incredible story of courage through tremendous amount of pain. If you did not listen to that episode, go back, listen to that episode first, and then come back to part number two. This is part number two, where I share my journey with the fertility world, losing a part of myself, the extreme pain of not knowing what was broken with my body, the losses that I had, and how I chose to gain my life back, to live alive. I'm usually very open with my life and my journey and my challenges. This was a very hard episode for me to share because I'm sharing it publicly with the world, a part that I never shared before. I'm going to record another episode after this, but it's going to come out in a few weeks and it might be premium content because it's going to be very in-depth conversation about what it's like to go to the mikvah maybe even twice a month and the hardships of being Anita so often. And for someone that struggles with OCD like me, what was it like each and every month to visit the mikvah with so much losses? Hope this inspires you to find your life that you can ignite, that you can live alive no matter what the adversity is. Don't get stuck in your adversity. Find a way out. Ask for support. Look for support. Our sponsor is BetterHelp.com. They are so affordable. One click away. Consider, if you need help, consider going to our link in the show notes. You get 10% off your first month and it's so affordable. You can text therapists. There are thousands of different therapists for different needs. So maybe check them out. Enjoy this listen and I'll meet you on the other side because I really wonder what you think about my story and what are you going to do to get your life back. Enjoy this listen. Literally, I feel like there's this piece of my chest that's stiff from holding my breath back while you're telling the story. First of all, I don't understand how you did it. I really don't understand how you went through so many years of the unknown. That unknown is just torture. Scary. Yeah. And it's in a way so unfair. But what are we going to say? What are unfair to what? What are we going to do? I'm still here to talk about it. So that's how I have to go. I got to take that road. Right. And it's going to be healing. What I'm going to tell you is that you're going to hear other stories, hold space for other people. And it's going to be a very spiritual experience. And it's going to heal the little bit of the brokenness that you felt. It's very strange how it happened. And the only way to really do it is by sharing because there's a sense of an energetic field of togetherness that happens when somebody else holds space for the same pain, for the same struggle. And you're not somebody, a doctor that knows technically what you went through, but 
really doesn't understand because they didn't go through it themselves. And one of my biggest struggles when I was going through my infertility was that I kept on feeling, why am I asking a rabbi when they have no clue what it's like to be a woman? And I kept on saying this over and over. Why am I asking a rabbi a question about my body that they have zero awareness? And I'm going to probably get rebuke about this, but this was my thought. Mm. They have zero awareness of the emotional toll that it takes a woman with her hormones. They never went through a hormonal change as a woman. They never went through a loss of a baby from your body. They don't understand the challenges that we went through. And a part of me was saying, I don't want to ask them. I don't want them telling me what to do. I totally hear that. And in my experience, I found that they actually the rabbis were more empathetic than the Yoat soap that I had spoken with. Anyone I had spoken with, I felt like they were much more rigid and strict and machmer. And the rabbis were the ones who gave that little bit of leeway. Right. The rabbis that knew. That knew. I'm talking about the specific person that I dealt with. Yeah. And for me, that was very interesting because usually for a woman, you feel more comfortable talking to a woman. Mm. I actually made my husband do my dirty work. I didn't mm-hmm. feel comfortable talking to the rabbi. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. He did it for me. I totally hear how you feel because no one could take that away from you. It's your body. We're the ones going through it. Well, I'll tell you, there was a certain point that I said, I don't want to ask a rabbi. Okay. So I'm going to share now a little bit. Okay. It's a very similar story. Get married 26. I have a son go on birth control, hard to get pregnant the second time. But I think it took me nine months or something like that to get pregnant. I get pregnant, great pregnancy, give birth. Then I take a little bit of birth control, always bleeding through it. Always. Nuvering pills, this pill, that pill, the IUD this, I try the IUD that. And every time is a whole emotional turmoil because I'm very sensitive to hormones. I feel every little thing. Like I literally can feel that I'm vibrating. I feel like I'm stuck to electricity sometimes. Then I have my third child. After my third child, he's two years old. My periods are getting shorter and shorter, closer together. My clean days are almost none. Non-existent. Non-existent. And in order to get pregnant with my third one, my husband said, you don't do the spotting. You give me everything and I'm going to take it to the rabbi. You're not doing any of the judgments. And really a rabbi, thank you to the local rabbi. He was really amazing. He's like, okay, you have to go a day earlier. You're ovulating. You're very short ovulation. You have less than 12 hours. Yeah. Wow. You show me every checkup. You do Bedika first and last because of your situation. You show me the next few months. And really that month I got pregnant because he said, you're going to go 24 hours early. You're going to be the first one going. I was always the first one going because I have OCD and whatever. (laughs) So I was always there before the sun went down. I feel bad for people that don't understand about the laws, but we have to do this fast. So maybe we're going to do a whole recap next episode about the laws. I get pregnant. I give birth. Again, I'm going on birth control and the nightmare starts. The bleeding, the not feeling well, the feeling anxious, this high vibration. I'm trying this pill and that pill and going back to the doctor going back to the doctor the period got so close to each other that i maybe had five days five days i know exactly how you feel and i'm losing my mind and i'm crying i can't plan anything because it was all about the days the clean days the clean days the clean days it was driving me crazy then i went to israel my sister was making a bar mitzvah and i went on my own it was right before a holiday and i didn't want to come back bleeding so i doubled my new ring, which I said, okay, I'll get maybe three days, maybe. 
Now the hormones, just imagine how much hormones is in my body, like crazy. I come back a full blown panic attack. I thought it was a heart attack. They rushed me to the hospital. And that's when I started my whole journey of mental illness. It went from a panic attack to another panic attack, to depression, to anxiety, to not eating in and out of the hospital. And I realized that first panic attack was, yes, it was a million other things, past traumas I didn't deal with, but the hormone imbalance is what really set me off. And until I normalized myself. So of course I have to go on birth control, but birth control is not good for me, right? Yeah. I said, I'm not doing birth control. I'm on psych meds because I'm semi-suicidal. I'm not eating. I can't sleep at night. I have night terrors. Within three months, this was Shavuot. This was May by Tishabav, July, August. I, I was not functioning at all. Not sleeping, not eating, not talking. I had to be on IV sometimes. My goal was to finish a half a protein shake a day. Wow. Once sip at a time and not throwing it up. If I got through a half a protein shake a day, I was excited. It was a win. Psych meds, like I went through the whole thing. My mother comes, takes me to Israel. I'm on birth control because I refuse to get pregnant. I'm going to share something now. I went to a rabbi. And I said, I'm not taking any hormones. I messed myself up because of hormones and no one warned me about it. But I was so afraid of getting pregnant in the state of mind that I was. I didn't even let my husband come near me. I'm like, there's a 0.0111% chance that I can get pregnant. Right. You're not coming near me because I'm not stable. I believe that God sent us angels as husbands that were understanding and supportive and just taking us through this journey and standing by our side without judgment. It's not something that is very common to have a husband that's waiting for us to heal patiently and supporting us, right? Definitely. So I go through a few years of hell of recovering from depression and anxiety, go on a lot of medication that I just lose myself, lose my mind. Like I'm in a fog, I'm in this fatigue. Fast forward, I decide, okay, I think I'm ready to do some mindfulness work. And now that the depression lifted a little bit, I'm kind of functioning in society. I'm not myself. I'm not the happy-go-lucky, amazing self I am, but I'm going to, I want to consider having another baby. But until I get off all of my medication, my psych medication, I'm not even dreaming about it. I work with a holistic doctor and, and I try everything. I start reading self-help books, the energy field. I'm working on everything. And the good thing is that I have a top psychiatrist that tells me when you go on this medication, the way it's going to work well if you do mindfulness, yoga, meditation, exercise. And that was in the back of my mind the whole time. I said, he said that it's going to work better if I do this. And he even said that people get off of it if they increase it. So I said, okay, I'm going full blown into this. It was a few years later. And I said, you know what? I'm, I think I'm ready to try to have a baby. He said, you're sure? There was a very big fear. Will I relapse? Will I go into postpartum depression? Even though it wasn't postpartum, it was my son was almost three. So it was a postpartum, but it was a fear. They say once you go through depression, anxiety, you have a chance, any fluctuation, you have a chance. So I'm doing the work. It took me about a year to get off of all my medication slowly with a lot of help from mentors and healers. And I got off and I get pregnant. I'm so excited. And my doctor said, my, my OBGYN said, if you're getting pregnant, I want you to know, I am not letting you go on psych meds for the first few months. So just be ready. You need to know, unless you're standing at the edge of a building and tell me you're going to jump, I'm not going to let you take medi wow, medication. that's pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. And I think he said it on purpose, not because he wouldn't put me, because now there's a lot of medications that you could take with pregnancies and whatever. I think with my situation, he knew that he needed to warn me. Like, 
to see like how much do you really want this it's gonna get hard this episode of the hope to recharge podcast is sponsored by betterhelp.com is there something that's preventing you from achieving your goals or interfering with your happiness maybe it's anxiety stress or worry or what's going on in the world right now betterhelp.com will assess your needs and match you with your licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in under 48 hours it's not a crisis line and it's not self-help it's professional counseling done securely online with a broad range of expertise available depending on what you need and the service is available for clients worldwide you can log into your account anytime and send messages to your counselor and betterhelp.com is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and make it easy and free to change your counselors if you need to and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aids available betterhelp.com wants you to start living a happier life today so visit betterhelp.com slash hope to recharge that's betterhelp.com slash hope to recharge and join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional you'll also get 10 percent off your first month once again that's betterhelp.com slash hope to recharge the first few weeks was brutal, literally brutal. And I started spotting. So scary. And I'm freaking out. I'm on vacation in Orlando, the nicest Waldorf Astoria. My oh. kids are having fun. I'm losing my mind and spotting and I'm freaking out. And I'm like, okay, this is it. This is crazy. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should just lose the baby, go back on psych meds. I don't need this. I remember calling my sister my whole family is in Israel. And I said, I don't know what to do. We're, we're sleeping on a very high floor. My fears and my depression is getting so strong. I'm afraid that I'm going to do something irrational. Not that I want to die, but I'm afraid my body is going to do something as a reaction. I said, what am I going to do? And I said to my husband, I was busy being nauseous. I get very nauseous, very nauseous. And my husband's trying to feed the kids. And I'm like, listen, Ari, after the kids go to sleep, you put me on the side of the room further away from the window. You block me from the window. You hear me move in the middle of the night. You get up. This is what I'm telling him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I can't. I really can't. And I'm like, you make sure I don't jump. You just make sure I'm going to be okay. I look back at pictures where I'm smiling and I'm half smiling and I'm like trying to fake it for my children. And I just want to get home to my safe place. I just want to be back already. I just want to go back to my doctor. I find a healer that helps me just get through the three months. And she says, get through the first trimester. You're going to feel better. I'm telling you, your hormones are going to kick in. Your happy hormones are going to kick in after the first trimester. And everything is going to be okay. You just have to hold on. And we did a ton of sessions. She was in Israel. I was in America. And we were just holding the space that I won't go back into my depression whatever. I go to Israel the month before I give birth to meet her in person. I do an in-person that I won't have postpartum depression and everything should be okay. I give birth. Everything's great. I take a nurse because I don't want to see the baby. I need to focus on myself. If I regress now with my mental health, it's not good. I do go back on birth control and I don't know why because I was doing well. So I go back on birth control and again, the whole spotting, it was like nine months later. I said, let's have one more baby and that's it. We're done. I'm feeling great. So he's like, whatever you want. He wanted to have like 10. So <laughs> he said my ideal would be six, but whatever, the more the merrier. Right. So I'm like, no, we're not doing that. So we try to have another one. I get pregnant, miscarriage, another miscarriage. One was walking in the street. I fell it fall out. One was in the bathroom. And I'm like, what the heck happened to my body? What is wrong? At this time, I think I'm 35. I remember being so frustrated by this 
And there was no, again, the doctors didn't know anything. Okay, it makes sense. You were medication. Like, you can also blame psych. Your body's broken from that. You never know. Maybe the hormones messed up. Maybe your psych medication. So what do you want to do? I said, you know what? I don't know what I want to do. I don't want to bleed all the time. I don't know what I want to do. So there was one time that we were in Israel visiting my parents. I was crying to my parents about this extreme loneliness of going through this. I think my mother was walking with me when I lost one of the babies and it just fell out. And I said, Ima, it fell out. And she's like, what fell out? I said, my baby. I ran to the hotel and I saw it and I remember, I said, should I keep it? And then I said, what am I going to do? And my mother said, you know what? There's this specialist, a fertility specialist. We're going to try to get you into her before you go back to America. I said, really? You really will? So I go see the specialist and I lay down on her table and I have a flight to go back to America the next day. And she's like, okay, let's see. Okay, let's do a scan. But she looks inside and she's like, oh, easy. Early ovarian failure. I said, what? She's like, oh, you have early ovarian failure. I said, what is that? She's like, oh, basically, and she's very cold. And she's like, you have kids? I said, yeah, I have three kids. Actually, I had four at the time. She's like, okay, just be grateful because it's a miracle you had kids because this earlier ovarian failure looks a little bit older. When was your last kid? And I told her, so, well, I had a lot of miscarriages, blah, blah. So she's like, well, you have ovaries of a 60-year-old. You're going into early menopause now and you're not going to. And she's like saying it as if she's saying, okay, so the recipe to make bread, you just take a little bit of it. And if you, have, if you don't have gluten-free flour, so that's this, I'm literally like hyperventilating. I'm like, what are you? I don't even know the words you're saying. And she's like, but I have somebody coming and I really took you as a favor. So this is what I'm going to tell you. If you do get pregnant again, you're probably going to lose it. And you really shouldn't get pregnant because your ovaries are so old that your eggs are so bad that they can't really produce healthy babies. So you don't even want to keep a baby. So... Yeah, that's basically your condition. So I guess you have to think about what you want to do. <laughs> and she's like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> Literally. I just can't. I leave the office and I'm shaking and I'm like, Ari, did you understand a word of what she said? We just moved to Florida at that time because I was going through another hump of depression. I said, maybe the sun will help. We'll move to Florida. We moved to Florida. We uprooted our family to move to Florida. And I didn't have my OBGYN there. I didn't have anyone there. I remember coming to Florida and I'm just in this gray, black place. And I start Googling and Googling and calling all of these Jewish organizations and no one can give me an answer. I'm like, what should I do now? What should I do? Do I take out my ovaries? Do I go into menopause? Should I take some kind of hormone? What happens when we have a earlier vein failure? What is it? Like, what happens to my body? Do I age? No one to talk to. And I didn't understand what I was going through. And then I went into a slight depression for a few months. My sister came because I had the tools. I was able to get out of it fast. I think once I accepted the early ovarian failure instead of fighting it. And I had to go into grief, anger, frustration, the unknown. And then I went into this, okay, I have to accept. I have four beautiful children. I am so grateful that I have these children. I need to live for them. I really need to live for them. It's not about having children and it's not about figuring it out right now. I need to just stay healthy and mentally healthy. I said, so what am I going to do to avoid pregnancy? Also, I, I kept on getting the bleeding and the bleeding. We decide that I'm going to go see a specialist, an uh, endocrinologist, a special one. And I and the only one that could deal with the OBGYN was in Woodmere, right near where I moved from. So I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I had two more miscarriages in Florida. 
And you weren't even trying at that point. No, and the OBGYNs in Florida were saying, listen, we don't even know how to treat you. But I said, you know what? I'm not willing to go on birth control because I'm risking my mental health. Right. It was a mess, really a mess. There's so many questions I'm thinking back now. What was I thinking? I don't know. As I was saying to you before, like we weren't thinking we we're surviving, really surviving. Do you sometimes feel stuck? Do you wish you can be somewhere else? Do you have a vision of where you want to get to, but you just don't know what the first step to take in order to get to that life that you're dreaming of? Many people ask me, what did I do in order to create this wellness that I'm living in? How did I shift from deep depression, from extreme anxiety to a thriving life, to a productive life, to a life full of joy? I put many things into practice and it's every single day. Many of you know that it's gratitude, a healthy mindset, boundaries, self-love, and one of the most important things that many people don't speak about, forgiveness, self-forgiveness and forgiveness to others, essential for healing. If you want to work one-on-one with me in order to move forward towards that dream life that you have a vision of, click the link below in the show notes. It's a custom-made program for you, one-on-one with me. We will develop a concrete program that you can implement in your life so you can create a better well-being. Click the link below. Looking forward to working with you. And now enjoy the rest of the episode. But I said, you know what? I'm not willing to go on birth control because I'm risking my mental health. Right. It was a mess, really a mess. There's so many questions I'm thinking back now. What was I thinking? I don't know. As I was saying to you before, like we weren't thinking we were surviving, really surviving. Yeah. And we moved back to New York because I needed my doctors and I moved back to New York to figure it out. I get pregnant again. And one thing that the doctor said in Israel, oh, I was on birth control. Sorry, I forgot to tell you. I wasn't on a birth control. I was on something that makes me not ovulate. You said, go on something like this, that you don't get your period. You don't ovulate but it's not a birth control. It was a different kind that doesn't have the hormone that makes me go crazy. We go to Israel for my father's 70th birthday. I come back and I'm not feeling well. And my husband's like, oh, it's jet lag. I'm like, okay, jet lag for two weeks? No. One thing I know is I love coffee. And if I throw up from coffee, that's a big red flag. I might be pregnant. I threw up from coffee from the smell. And I'm like, oh my God, I have cancer. It didn't even dawn on me that I'm pregnant because I'm on this medication. And I said, oh my God, I have cancer for sure. My body's not working. And I called my brother-in-law, my husband's brother, that's a doctor. I need a blood test. I'm not feeling well. He's like, did you think first about taking a pregnancy test? I said, Savi, I can't be pregnant. I'm on this medication. I said, do me a favor, take a pregnancy test. I said, Ari, I don't even know if I want to know. If I'm pregnant, I'm going to be devastated. That means I have to go through loss again. I have to go through the whole thing again. I said, I can't do this anymore. By this time, I'm 41, I think, or close to 42. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm old, like done. Let's close it up. Let's finish. It came out positive And I'm like, oh no, another loss. This is number six or seven. I said, I can't go through this roller coaster again. I just can't. Ari said to me, I remember the doctor saying one thing, an early ovarian failure. 
your body doesn't produce progesterone, but if you catch it early enough in the first few weeks, you can take extra doses of progesterone. If it's an unhealthy egg, that's not going to save it. But let's hope that it's a healthy baby. And let's see if we can keep it alive till three months. If we can keep the baby alive till the end of the first trimester, the baby produces the progesterone and you don't have to produce it. What's broken in your body now is that it's not producing progesterone. So if you take progesterone, three times a day, you need to be in bed and you need to keep on popping it up. And it's awful. The nausea level is on a level that you cannot fathom. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm feeding maybe a sick baby. What the heck? Maybe I should just let it go. Let me just let it go. And that's it. And I'm taking everything out and I'm done. And he said, if we already have this one with no chance, you were on a, a pill that was not even a birth control. It was stronger than that. I said, okay, fine. And the whole time I'm thinking, I hope it just falls. Until this time, I'm a very positive person. I worked on my mind for many years. Positive of thinking, positive psychology, what you think happens. I was like, come on, this is when you need to put all your teaching. You need to put into work now. This is when you up the game, up the dose on positivity. And I'm like, I don't even know if I want this baby. I start bleeding in the beginning. They're like, okay, you're probably going to lose it. Now the numbers, they track my numbers three times a week. And yeah. they're like, okay, it's going because it was it's not going up well. And I'm just waiting yeah. for it to plummet. Okay, just plummet. And then we're done. And it wasn't. It was going up, but not a lot up. And I'm like, oh my God, this is hell. I get to three months. I'm not bleeding anymore. I don't have to take the progesterone. I'm feeling good. I start going for the tests and the doctor's like, listen, we're going to keep a very close eye. And if Ari not remembering that part, I for sure would have lost the baby. If he's not remembering the part that the doctor said, your body's not putting progesterone and what usually we do, we give progesterone. But you know what? Your ovarian failure is so over butter, like it's done. Don't even try that. But Ari remember that and he stuck to it. And he told the doctor and the doctor's like, oh, you can try that if you want to. But you don't have to let the body do what it wants to do. And it would if the body would have lost the baby naturally, it would have. Anyway, I go through all the stages and I'm counting my blessing. And I'm like, oh, my God. OK, I'm full term. The day of our gift. It's such a miracle, baby. And I'm like, OK, Ari, a month after we get the baby, let's run to the doctor. Take everything out. So we go to the doctor and the doctor's like, no, you don't have to take everything out, which I'm curious that they didn't tell you to do an ablation. Did you ever hear of that? Oh, oh, yes. An ablation. Ablation. They did. They recommended an ablation, but an ablation was not a guarantee. It's basically that they right. burn out the uterus. But you didn't have the lining in the first place, so I don't understand what they would burn out. At certain points, I did have more lining than others, but there was no guarantee that you were still not going to bleed with the ablation. And I had a friend who had an ablation and she was like, oh, it was not a guarantee. And I'm like, I'm not doing this if it's not a guarantee because I'm still not going to be able to have children, but I'm still going to bleed. So what's the So I said, that's not enough for me. I need a guarantee. I'm now willing to go into full-blown menopause. If I have a tiny bit of hormones left, I want to have that but I'm not willing to go into the cycle of every 10 days. I'm done with the mikvah drama. I'm done with the crying. I just can't. I want my freedom back. So he said, okay, let's take your tubes out, not your ovaries. Take the tubes out, do ablation, and you'll be free. Hopefully, he said, listen, you definitely won't get pregnant. First of all, you're not getting pregnant. Second of all, hopefully the uterus won't grow back. And if it does, after a few years, we'll come and we'll do the procedure again. But at least you're not bleeding. If it is, it's a tiny little bit and whatever. Fine. I do it. Can I tell you, when I went to the mikvah for the last time, I was so happy. I said, thank you, Hashem, for me not needing to see this place 
hopefully never again, because there was so much pain that happened here, so much loss and like feeling of, I don't know what's going to happen when I get out of here and where my place as a woman, I just felt broken. Like you said, a broken machine. And I was so relieved and people were like, didn't you cry? I said, yeah, out of joy. I'm getting my life back. Of course, the fear was you're not going to have that renewal. You're not going to have your period. I said, you know what? I never enjoyed my period and my separation from my husband. Not one day in my life. Not one day. I married 20 years. Not one day was a positive. Not once. I am looking forward to a new chapter of my life to being free. And I kept on saying, I'm free. I'm alive. And thank God my mother came in. I had a whole argument with my mother. She asked me if I asked a rabbi and I said, I'm not asking a rabbi. I'm sorry. If a rabbi will say no, I'm not listening to him. And if he says yes, why do I need to ask him? That was my own decision. I said, listen, he doesn't know the hell of the mental health and my depression, anxiety. I don't want to have to start telling the whole thing. I know right now it's not an option. There's no reason why to go through it, not for my kids that are alive and not for myself, not for my marriage, for my mental health, done. And we had a whole falling out about it, the the religious aspect of how can you not ask a rabbi? And I said, this is my choice. It's my body. And there is no two ways about it. And my husband was very much on the same page with me. He's like, we're not going through hell again. Your mental health is number one for the stability of our family. Yeah. Really, I gained my life back and I call it my freedom. There's definitely something freeing about it. There's no question about it. It's just knowing that you're on the other side. It's the radical acceptance of this is what we have to do with what we have. And how can we stay alive during the pain? And I was 40 something, but it really happened when I was 30 something. But I just know about it until much later. And I had so many losses. How many miscarriages? How many sad moments? How many tears went into the unknowing? Of why am I getting my period every 15 days? I found with losses, people are like, oh, it happens. Or I can get pregnant so easily and I'm going to plan when I'm going to have my baby. And I'm like, well, you know what? It's good for you. If that really happens, you should be really thrilled. But guess what? I hate to break it to you. It doesn't work like that for many people. When people went around saying people would also mislabel mine. They'd say, oh, well, you had two miscarriages. No. I had a late term loss. My baby had a heartbeat. It was very much there. I, for a very long time, I had such a hard time with people like addressing it the wrong way and years passed and it's easier for me, but you know what? It's hard. A loss is a loss and it's a lot. You put a lot into it, especially when you try so hard and it doesn't make it any easier. I think also in the Orthodox world, there's such an expectation of what a woman got much better in the last 10 years, 20 years. It got a little bit better, but there's still an expectation of you try, you don't give up so fast. Thinking back, if I wasn't Orthodox, I would probably just take everything out like right away. Goodbye, good riddance after three and say, count my very lucky stars. My brain wasn't even thinking that way. I was thinking, no, we have to try more. We have to have more. I didn't know what part of me wanted it and what part of me that was programmed that wanted it. There's such confusion. I listen, I'm one of five. I'm number three out of five. And I always grew up saying, oh, I'm going to have five kids just like my mom. Meanwhile, it didn't happen. I'm the only one in my family who had all this trouble, who went through all this bleeding. I have a sister. She had nothing. My mother had five kids in seven years. My sister had four kids in no time. No one else went through what I went through. And no two people are alike, even in your own family. And you know what? I don't resent anyone. It just stinks for me. Right. (laughs) And that's what it comes down to. That's our package that we got. It's just what was assigned to us. We always say a million people have good things going on in their closed doors, but if they threw all their problems up in the air, would you want to collect somebody else's problems? 
Listen, I look back and I'm so grateful for my adversities because I had the support that I needed to get through it. It really brought me to who I am today. And I wouldn't be this person who I am today. Forgiving, understanding, a little bit more soft, less judgmental. I had to go through this process in order to soften up. I was a tough Israeli, judgmental Israeli that was like, this is the way it is. And, da, da, da. and I needed to go through that. And I call it my internal chemotherapy, my mental chemotherapy of understanding that life throws you things and you evolve and there are no two that are the same and never judge. And it's none of your business what other people's decisions are. And if you're not helping them, stay out of their way. Most definitely. No one knows all the facts and it's not for anyone else to decide except for you and your spouse. And if you decide to consult a doctor, a rabbi, a yoetzet, whatever your family and yourself feels comfortable with. But I want to empower women to really ask themselves, what do you want? And have a conversation about it. And so many years, I was afraid to say what I was thinking because I was afraid of the religious rebuke I would get of how can you think that way? No, we don't do things like that. I was wobbling in this shame and loneliness and frustration because I wanted certain things, but I wasn't getting it in the name of religion. But did I really ask? No, I wasn't because I was so afraid. So ask away, find the good. There's such good rabbis out there. Some terrible ones, but some are really good. But that's your choice. And if you don't want to ask, that's fine too. It's your body, your life. No one can tell you what to do. You need to suffer the consequences with whatever decisions you're making. So you make the decision that's right for you. Yeah, just keep going and don't stop. Don't settle for for a second. You got to go until you figure out what works for you. Yeah. Alana, thank you. What a crazy, powerful, long conversation, but I know it's going to help so many women. And we're going to have another talk about those dark, lonely moments when you don't want to go to the mikvah, when you suddenly realize it's day six on your badikas and you're bleeding, when you lose hope and you have to dig deep to find hope. The frustration with God sometimes, this little tug of war that goes internally with, does this make sense or not? I don't know if you had it, but I had so many moments of that. It was definitely not easy. And you definitely have to lean on faith. Like I always say, thank God I had faith. Because if not, I don't know what I would hold on to. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. Where can people read the last article that you wrote? It's thelayersprojectmagazine.com. And if someone wants to reach out to you? Absolutely. They can find me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, at Alana Schlag or Facebook, Alana Schlagbaum. Okay, we'll put the links also in the show notes. Thank you guys for listening. If you know anyone that can use some hope, some inspiration, some compassion, some understanding, send this episode to them. You might really give someone comfort or clarity or even feeling that they're not alone. Thanks for being here. Bye till next time. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good night. Thank you for listening till the end. We highly appreciate all of our listeners. And Mental Health Together is better. You being here means a tremendous amount to us. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like some extra boost of information and inspiration that is not on the podcast, you can go to our website, hopetorecharge.com. There's some premium content that for the cost of a cup of coffee, you can download some amazing information that will help you, a tool that will guide you through life. So 
don't skip a beat. Don't hesitate. Go to hopetorecharge.com and see what other offerings we have there for your mental health well-being. Thank you for joining us. And remember, if you enjoyed this and you want to say thank you, the best way of gratitude will be by you leaving a review or a comment or sharing this with a loved one. There is no greater form of gratitude for us. Thank you. Bye till next time.